Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is our recommend or refute episode. You know what we do here. We go around the table. Whoever's with us, we ask them what they watched recently, if they'd recommended or refuted, and hopefully you reap the rewards with your watch list. Um, so I am your host, John Garcia. Joining me on this episode are usual suspects, uh, Ryan King. I don't know how you hit the or like I was listening to see. You just fucking recommend or refute. You just get it right out. You don't understand <laughs> it. Just run right through it. Just you have to round the it. R's, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other voice you heard is Michael Dixon. What's up, guys? Uh, excited to hear what you guys watched this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's get into it. Uh, I think I'm going to kick to you first, Dixon. I, I feel like oh, you have a... Okay. We just watched Singing in the Rain. It's all about you know old school Hollywood. I heard you have something classic for us. Uh, yes, I have some very old school Hollywood here. This is uh, this is a talkie, but uh, you know, still pretty 100% early. 100% a talkie? It that is. Was, okay, okay. Uh, it, you know, from, but from the early days of the talkies, this is a 1933 film called Babyface. A woman young, beautiful like you can get anything she wants in the world because you have power over men. Willie, you got to marry me. If you don't, I'll kill myself. You must use men, not let them use you. Say, I like it here. How about a job? Oh, we don't. Oh, now, don't tell me in this great big building there ain't some place for me. Look at that, will you? Thickening the way those two carry on. Have you had any experience? Willie, I know some flats where I come from. Where was that? Oh, maybe I'll tell you someday when I know you better. Wake up, kid. Babyface is moving out of your class. Uh, Babyface is starring Barbara Stanwyck and a slew of men, including John Wayne in a very small role, um, which I thought was funny. I watched this on Criterion Channel. And it listed like Barbara Sandwich, comma, John Wayne, comma, someone else. I was like, holy shit, like they co-starred in a movie together? That's wild. I got to watch this. And then I realized he was like a very, very small bit part. But he's John Wayne, so they got to put his name on, of course. right up there, you know? Yeah. So you'll get saps like me to click on it. But um, no, I'm very glad that I watched Babyface. Uh, Barbara Sandwich stars as a waitress named Lily Powers. And Lily uh, works at, at this bar. Um, who, that is run by her, her dad and her dad is a piece of shit and he basically like uses her to lure in male customers Whoa. and, um, yeah, it's like she, she's having a kind of a pretty shitty life. She's sexually exploited by her father and kind of all the people around her, the bar that she works at, everybody's constantly hitting on her and like treating her like shit. But she has this customer that she likes that comes in a lot and he's an older gentleman probably a professor of some kind. I don't think they really state what he does for a living, but he keeps telling her like, you need to get out of here. Like you need to go to the big city and do something else. Get out of this shit town and go make something of yourself. And she's like, ah, you know, I don't know. What am I going to do? Like, I don't, I don't even know what I would do with that. And he gives her a book by Nietzsche and tells her that she needs to, instead of being exploited by all the men around her, she needs to use her sexual feminine power to exploit all the men in, ah. in her life and work her way to the top and, uh, you know, use her, her feminine wiles to get whatever she wants. 
And Barbara Stanwyck, uh, Lily Powers, takes this to heart and moves to the big city, picks out this big skyscraper. And she's like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to get a job here. Walks into the uh, HR office at this giant bank. And uh, the guy's like, oh, we don't have any jobs. And she's like, really? For me, you don't have any jobs. What if we go talk about that in this private room over here? <laughs> and uh, Barbara Stanwyck <laughs> proceeds to literally fuck her way up to the top of the bank. Wow. Um, 1933. Before the Hayes Code, I imagine yeah. this was one of the movies yeah, where like they were like, we shit. have to put a stop to this shit. <laughs> There's a problem here. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have women being empowered and, and sleeping with men to get what they want. This is, this is <laughs> terrible. Um, so, uh, you know, young Barbara Sandwick is just kind of literally going up the corporate ladder. And every boss that she has, she is sleeping with him in order to get promoted and to move up. And she'll have situations where she and her boss will get caught like in the company bathroom or something. There'll be a whole scandal about it. And she'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry. He came on to me. I just walked into this bathroom. He followed me in here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And she'll start crying. <laughs> oh my God. And then they get, and then they go, like, okay, it's fine. No, why don't you come work under me? And he's like two floors up. And the camera like goes out to the outside of the building and goes up two floors <laughs> to the next apartment and goes in. And like, she's literally fucking her way up the building wow. uh, over the course of, I don't know, several months, I guess. And John Wayne is one of the people that she just fucks the leash behind. <laughs> <laughs> which is just so against the image that John Wayne would want for himself that it was just hilarious to me to to see that. Um, but yeah, I'm like, it, it was just fucking wild. I couldn't believe that I was watching a movie from 1933 that was that risque. They didn't show any nudity or any of the actual sex, but it's very clear that that's what's happening. And, you know, I've, I've always heard like, oh yeah, you know, pre-code Hollywood has some really, you know, cool risque stuff that, you know, you'd be shocked to see from mm -hmm. that time. And I've, I've seen a decent amount of pre-code movies and I've never seen anything that actually shocked me until like that this. Reason? Yeah, that like yeah. actually was, you know, I, I guess there's a movie from 32 called Merrily We Go to Hell directed by Dorothy Arzner that is about an open marriage and that was, that was pretty pretty wild and I, I was really interested uh, in that. But Babyface is just more openly about sex and about exploitation and, you know, she's like doesn't give a shit about any of these men. She's just like, all right, I have been used my whole life and uh, sexualized and exploited and I'm just going to turn that around on society and all of these men in my life. And um, yeah, I was pretty surprised by it. Barbara Stanwyck is great as always and um, was, was really cool seeing her in a role like that. You know, so many of her roles that I really love, they're in the Hayes Code era. And so they have to be a little bit more toned down and mm -hmm. suggestive rather than actually doing things like this. Like, you know, Double Indemnity, she's so fucking good in that, but they have to talk around a lot of the things. Um, and this is just like, nope, we're just making a movie about a woman fucking a bunch of dudes and getting rich <laughs> off of it. Uh, so it was pretty wild. Yeah. Wow. We wouldn't see that premise until the 70s again. <laughs> so. John can think of several schlock films that have this exact plot. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah, uh, just, how uh, far up the tower is John Wayne? Like, like not very. Down. He's like not pretty very. early on in the in, in the in the building, and uh, she leaves him behind real quick. And he like actually is like pining after her as she's moving along and just going up the chain and doesn't give a shit about him. And like he shows up in one later scene, being like, "Listen, baby face, how about having dinner tonight?" I haven't seen you in so long, and she's like, "No, 
we're not doing that. Get out of here. Like, I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, just you describing this movie turned me into Owen Wilson for a little bit there. I was just like, oh, wow. I, mean? I was like, wow. 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 Like, the whole <laughs> fucking time, it just kept, wow, wow. wow. <laughs> she sleeps with how many men? <laughs> wow. It sounds more like Jimmy uh, Stewart. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, my Owen Wilson's not great. Come on. Stop, please. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I where where can I watch this? Is this streamable on? This is on Criterion Channel. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm very interested. I love me some Barbara Stanwyck, and I haven't seen any pre-code Barbara Stanwyck, so sounds yeah. like it's a winner. Uh, yeah, it was pretty shocking to to watch. It does get a little repetitive because she. It, she's just doing she that has a system over and over yeah she's great at working the system um and there are like you know <laughs> different challenges that insert themselves every, every time she uh you know has to kind of get away with what she's doing and seduce the next guy and keep moving up the chain but it's it's actually pretty funny the way it all strings together like at one point a couple of guys are like all sort of related and and like you know so there's all of this weird stuff going on and almost everybody that she leaves behind is like but i love you baby like i left my wife like come on like you know you need to come back to me and she's like i don't give a shit like i'm up here now you're down there i am above you on the social ladder and the, the in this literal building how dare you talk to me you can't come up to this floor so <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, just amazing. Um, yeah, were there? So you said you've seen a few other uh, kind of risque pre-code, and this is like the first one that shocked you. Yeah, the, the, there... this is the first one that I was like, okay, I didn't realize they actually stretched things this far right. in pre-code. You know, I've seen some pre-code movies where it's like, oh yeah, they wouldn't show that much leg after that. You know, uh, like stuff that's yeah. like. Okay, yeah, it's you know stuff that the Hays Code didn't allow anymore, but the subject matter itself wasn't as blatantly sexual as this movie. To be so. like hearing somebody say "fuck" in a movie would be like shocking from like that from the thirties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there yeah. there was no profanity in it, surprisingly, but oh, okay. uh, there was a lot of fucking going on. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like some I've seen some like exploitation like freaks. It mm-hmm. was like pre-code, but mm. I don't, yeah, I haven't really seen something that was like, yeah, that like outright yeah. sexy If, if anybody out there knows of either a silent film or a talkie that has the F word in it, uh, it's Ooh, from that yes. era, send it our way. <laughs> we would love to know, know. about that. interesting trivia yeah. effect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the first movie that ever said fuck? Yeah. It'd be yeah. interesting. In, in America, I'm guessing it would have been like an independent film of the late 60s, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's probably a good guess. Uh, or somebody who like said it on air live one time. <laughs> like that's like technically. Uh, actually, it was Bill O'Reilly. He <laughs> <laughs> was the first one. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Um, so that is a recommend for Babyface. Do they ever call her Babyface? Does everybody call her Babyface, or is it just like the title is? Just it's there? just called Babyface. Yeah, okay. I don't. Really, I don't remember anybody calling her Babyface. It's possible someone like, calls her that at some point, but. Yeah. Do do people ever describe her facial features in it as baby as baby esque as uh, as no. big doe eyes and baby faced? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that baby face. It sounds like a gangster movie. Yeah, really. that kind of has right. that same. Yeah, or a boxer or something. Yeah, yeah. it's baby face McGinty or something. Uh-huh, <laughs> like, oh uh, yeah, fucking yeah, put, put my money on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, He's baby face ran the, is the name. <laughs> baby face ran the underground mafia in L.A. for for years in the twenties. <laughs> 
it's like it's like some fucking like Roderick Babyface Pemberton or right, some yeah. shit, and you're like, okay, sure. Uh, anyways, um, well, Ryan, uh, what are you bringing for us this this episode? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I still haven't been going to the theaters or had a time. So yeah, no, I've still not seen the Iron Claw or. Aquaman 2, which is <laughs> which is Aquaman uh, 2, the Iron Claw of movies. That's why you haven't <laughs> yes. pressure on you. That's why you haven't seen the Iron Claw yet. It's because you you told us that you agreed with Darla that you would see them at yeah, the same it, time, and your desire yes. to see the Iron Iron Claw has not outweighed your dread of Aquaman 2. <laughs> yeah, I have thought about you know on nights I can't sleep going and seeing Aquaman 2, <laughs> getting <laughs> Just it out of the get way. It over with. That happened to me with uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, Fell asleep in the theater, woke up, and somehow Killmonger was alive. And I was like, fuck it, I'm out. I just got up and left. <laughs> I do want uh, I do want to place bets right now for Ryan's on a plane and he has access to Aquaman 2 and the Iron Claw. I'm betting Aquaman 2. I don't think he's going to watch the Iron oh, Claw. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll find out. I have, a, I have a flight in a couple of weeks, but I don't think it'll have made it that far yet, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, whatever. I'll, I'll probably end up fucking watching The Flash. So oh, we'll no. <laughs> uh, no, so I have been I have been watching some superhero movies, though, because my, my family is trying to catch up. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but they're trying to catch up to Infinity Wars and are working their way through the Marvel Universe. Let's track this from the beginning. Dark something pure. Something exciting. Deal with something new. Yeah. Why stop there? This is it. This is the path I started us on. Even though I've kind of been trying to talk them out of it, they actually have been going back and filling in everything. Mm. And so that includes oh some of God. those, you know, the like earlier the the phase two and... movies that, yeah. That, all like 35 yeah, I, movies, they're they're going back and doing them all. It's only 22. They're trying to get everything. Well, there's, there's 30 something of them oh, now. Oh, now, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's the a Infinity lot more War now. Stuff oh. is 22. Yeah, up to that? Infinity Wars, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> They're they're trying to get up to Infinity Wars, and the only thing I've legitimately been able to talk them out of was the Incredible Hulk, because I'm like, it's, oh, nice. it's honestly, it has nothing to do with anything. It's not even. I only that. saw the Eric Bana one. Oh yeah, yeah. The I didn't, I didn't yeah. see the uh, the Ed Norton one. You know, right Norton when the action one, started yeah. happening in my Eric Bana screening, the film melted, and we all left the theater, and I never went back. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> a much better experience than mine. It was yeah. really cool. <laughs> the Hulk <laughs> threw a take right at the screen, and it melted. <laughs> That's badass. Whoa, that's such a cool effect. Real. How did they do Fuck that? Fuck out at Angley. No, we wanted to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, I kind of want to touch on some of those those earlier ones, yes. Um, so we have gone back, and, and I want to touch on Thor 2 and Iron Man 2, oh, yeah. because I think really looking back, those in Iron Man 3, which I haven't watched again, but they're downstairs watching right now, and I managed to get out of it. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> Nicely done. Um, looking looking back and watching them, I also remember Captain America kind of being one that I feel like people, the, f- the first one was a little bit weaker mm-hmm. of the introductions. And I know we have our 
Kenneth Branagh haters of Thor. <laughs> oh, who? who? Some which, in the room. Which one of us doesn't like Kenneth <laughs> yeah, Branagh? Wait, who? <laughs> Dixon, um, why are you red? <laughs> <laughs> Go, going back and watching these, like I, I am an Iron Man two apologist because I, I like Mickey Rourke and and I like Mickey Rourke's whatever stupid shit he's doing in that movie. You want a bird? I want my bird. I can get you a bird. I can get you ten birds. I want my bird. Uh, is this a bird back in Russia? <laughs> but I can sure. see where, like, going back and watching it, I'm like, eh, it's not good. And I was trying to kind of piece apart why those fail. But it's interesting looking at them now in contrast to, I don't know, the last five All movies. The movies that, that have been failing recently. That, yeah, I was like, like, everything but maybe Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that Marvel has put out as of late that are really kind of just failing at, at trying to capture the same thing. Um, and it's interesting because they, they fail in an even different way, I feel like. So looking back at, at Thor 2 and Iron Man 2, um, they really miss what the sort of introductory Marvel movies were able to do and really just are trying to kind of fill that gap after the Avengers. And I think part of the reason they were really disliked is Iron Man 3 and Thor 2 are right after the Avengers. And so they're just they're down. There's no way like it was just a down for audiences to come back to that. Um, and so I can see that. But kind of what I've said in the past is like, I think it's the villains that tend to be the screw up on these. Because um, it's, you know, if I like ask people, I'm like, John, yeah. who is the villain in Thor the Dark World? <laughs> It's like the frost you, the elves or something. Yeah, it technically is you, the audience. You're the villain of art yes, house yes. cinema. Yes, we're the villains for film. sitting there and, like, and paying money yeah. for it. How could uh, you? What, what were they after? Is it Loki? Why? Is they Loki were after the like villain? Dark Worlds. They were after the Dark World, obviously. <laughs> From the title, I can tell. Yeah, and I think that's where it's so muddled and confusing that, that that's what falls apart. And really, I it, the failure, if you look at the simplistic but successful aspect of the early Marvel movies. Yeah. There's a clear, like, here's kind of our point of the story. Here's the shit that happens. The hero learns this important lesson, mm -hmm. and then they're able to resolve because of the things they learned. And we have this contrast between our hero and our villain. Even I'll be like Iron Man one. Actually, I feel like has an example of what I would say is a weaker villain when it's just the I'm literally the same as you. It's Jeff Bridges. Uh, Ant-Man also Iron does Man that. Suit. Yeah. <laughs> but you get into the like Tony and the company and how he realized the horrible shit that they were doing and he wants to do something better and he grows up and how, you know, uh, I don't remember his name. The dude uh, yeah. <laughs> wants to also have his own suit for and he war won't reasons. Abide. <laughs> he just won't. I will not um, abide by this Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. There's at least a through line. Uh, we also watched Doctor Strange, which is a little bit later after these. But I was like, it has this whole Doctor Strange of love. Time. You watch Doctor Strange love? Oh, that <laughs> sounds Strange so much love. fun. Yeah. How did your kids way enjoy that? Yeah. How I learned to stop worrying yeah. and love Marvel movies. Oh, God. <laughs> when Doctor Strange love dropped the bomb on Thanos, it all yeah. went down. Um, but with Doctor Strange, there's this time. Like, they kind of keep coming back to, like, his watch and time and the, the ancient one, like, talks about trying to draw out time at the end and her... How, you know, how long she's been living. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, there's all this Tell like this clear, even though it's simplistic, like through line of like what we're talking about here. And I think that's where like Thor 2 and Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3, honest, and I would even say like whichever one 
Ultron or whatever. Oh, Avengers: the, Age those, of Ultron. Oh, I hated that one. Yeah, yeah, I hated yeah. That one too. Which has they a all cool kind of fail because they don't like, hit the landing. Just fucking yeah. Yeah, I think Ultron and Tony Stark's like dip into he's using technology too like much yeah and he's going too far didn't they just uh, decide that like wait it, a minute what if we like took ultron and turned him into paul bettany and then he was good now or something it was like what the that fuck? was part of it yeah that was, that was part of it yeah. yeah but like that whole argument i mean the civil war concept was cool it's like okay Tony Stark wants to double down on his he learned a lesson about his fucking military complex then decides that it's better to have like complete control and visibility to like govern the whole world and Captain America's like that's dumb why the fuck would you do that you're violating civil liberties this is a democracy damn yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey I may have voted for the Patriot Act Tony but you're crossing the line <laughs> like, um, but yeah like that premise is just cool and I feel like those movies squander it to just be like big dumb slugfest not as bad as like you know right. DCU at the time like fucking Man of Steel and that shit um, but yeah it's just like I remember watching Civil War and like some of that stuff in theaters and being like all right. Like that was like when I first started to be like, okay, there are parts of this where my brain is just going to like tune it out and I'm not going to care. Uh, cause the action is the same. It's like motion blurred fucking CGI people. And Oh, now we're in an airport and now we're at a different thing. And it was, uh, it just feels like a villain of the week story instead of like, Oh, Tony Stark gets kidnapped by, you know, insurgents that he has been funding like military operations to feed. There's like so much more complexity in Iron Man one around right. what Tony Stark is dealing with and what he goes through. And then like, yeah, Iron Man two is like, check it out. Mickey Rourke has whips, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking badass whip dude. Who's on like a formula one track. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Two, two and three are just like, people are trying to steal Tony Stark's shit. Yeah. And they kind of fail at doing it. And then that becomes the trend and for everything else. It. Like even black Panther was like Andy circus is here to steal <laughs> somebody else's shit. And it just, be, it's a, like this constant arms race of like, I'm stealing your shit or there's an alien that comes from space that has shit. I want to steal. Mm. And uh, there you go. <laughs> it's the cycle continues. Yeah. And I, I feel like, like I was looking at the, the Marvels and in particular, the Eternals where <laughs> there is no fucking, like lesson learning oh or con- no. like there's nothing where it's like we kind of set something up at the beginning and then we go through these trials and we we learn something about ourselves and we use that to overcome whatever the thing is it is just like action piece to action piece uh and like ooh some twists maybe here and there yeah. but there really isn't anything to it uh and then on top of it like watching doctor strange i was like god damn the effects work and Doctor Strange is fucking good. Really? Like oh, yeah, it, actually. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot how good it is and how crazy and how much it, like it, of that movie is like crazy inventive work that I was like, man, somebody somewhere was like, okay, and we are not spending that much on that budget anymore because these all make a billion dollars. Oh, we yeah. don't fucking need to spend that much on digital effects anymore. Just kind of like smudge it for you know, Black it's amazing. Widow. No is, one's paying is, attention. I know exactly what you're talking about because like in the Doctor Strange movie, they have like kaleidoscopic buildings and it looks really fucking cool. And like, I'm sure if you're on mind altering substances, it's like a dude, great kind of movie. But then like in like the Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange shows up and he, he grabs a train and he he turns it into six trains and i know what the shortcut code is for that in the digital effects library you just highlight right. a 3d object yeah. and you make a path and then you make a circle of trains and it's like that's the level of effort it's gotten to is just like 
all right, yeah, I, just throw this in there. Duplicate whatever. Yeah, Don't th- like hand structure how buildings would do an inception or some shit. <laughs> right. There, there's some shit when he first like gets, you know, sees all this other stuff where it's like him being consumed by his own mouth like over and over again. And there's like all these hands that are climbing all over all oh, the yeah, walls like real and body climb up and shit, pull him and- down. And yeah, <laughs> it's fucking really crazy shit. Um, that I was like, yeah, the later, cause I watched the, the other fucking Dr. Strange Multiverse movie later. Madness. And I was like, damn, yeah. the worlds were boring when they went to the other universes. And I'm like, when he goes to like Dormammu, it, Dormammu's face is fucking weird and doing all this shit. And he's like this weird universe with all these interesting colors and, and shit that I was like, yeah, they just don't give a crap anymore. They just fucking <laughs> yeah. shit him out mm-hmm. and don't care. So it was interesting going back and being like, yeah, Thor two and Iron Man two actually like, aren't that bad. I think it was a bit of a slump and they don't hit the highs, you know, that, that are the things that are good about them. Um, but goddamn, the newer ones like kind of fail Sucks on every so aspect. Like they digitally miss on it. The character misses on it. There's no theme. The villains like right with the, the villain in, in the Eternals was like one of it them. It was a space kind baby. They mark, to and the abort, baby that right? was going to eat the planet or yeah. whatever, I guess. Ab- aborting space babies. <laughs> Operation abort space babies. That was what it was. Weren't they the villains? They were the villains. They were yeah. part of the villains that were supposed to like be seeding the world with those little space yeah, didn't, babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't Rob Stark like kill a couple of them? Something like that. Yeah. There's some shit like that. But then, yeah, it's just one, you know, you said there's no lesson with the Eternals, but I think we all learned a lesson when we watched it for the, uh, the podcast. And that lesson was, you really just can't. No director can save whatever the fuck a Marvel movie is yeah, going to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, I was going to say, was don't have lesson. fourteen main characters. <laughs> oh, there was that too. And <laughs> with a with a oh, the first Marvel movie with the sex scene that is basically like a lifetime original sequence. I'm sure. So it's just like, wow, you're really setting setting the mark here. A lot of milestones for yeah. Marvel. Uh, cool. So that's a refute. Yeah, it was just like uh yeah, it was it well actually. Yeah, what did you even just say? Ryan? What the fuck is any even, of this for? What are you even doing here? <laughs> yeah. I think I was going to the back to like I do feel like okay. a lot of those first MCU movies are really good and do hold up. Even the effects work because they were doing better. Uh and that like the shittier ish ones are not that bad compared to mm-hmm. just the lack of heart. Uh, and these later ones. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there, Ryan. They all suck. <laughs> They've always lacked <laughs> They've always sucked. That is Dixon's, uh, that's Dixon's yeah. political plan. That's his secret. They've uh, always sucked. Yeah. <laughs> People yes. are just now realizing it, but they've always See, been See, his bad. secret is he's always been angry yeah. <laughs> about Marvel movies. <laughs> Uh, okay. So I'm still, I'm still not hearing like a full, is that just a refute or like a, is that a fucking soft recommend for? Yeah. I think it's a soft a recommend for the pre pre infinity yeah, war the, for the pre infinity wars. Okay. Is sure. infinity war the turning point? Yeah, honestly. Cause like a man and the wasp is like, okay. Cause that comes out between, and I think Captain is, Marvel's good. Endgame is garbage. Fucking just, and, but in game like, does start to get weak. It is when it is does start turn. to get weak. Yeah. In game was, yeah. When and then I, and then it's absolutely after in game is down. It's just down. It's been down and they just don't, they're, they don't know what to do. They're flailing in the wind, but even within it, it's like, if you could make a good movie anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that would be something I really enjoyed. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and I think that was, we had characters, they've already cheated really good characters 
threw several movies into those. <laughs> and it did have that like important plot elements and themes that carried through and were relevant to the end. Yeah. Um, well, cool. That's a recommend for everything that comes before Infinity War. Are you going to try to stop your family at Infinity Just War and not show them end game? <laughs> Because that would be a fun, devastating thing uh, to try. Yeah, no. <laughs> they'd be like, "That's it." <laughs> there you go, sorry kids. No more it's. movies. <laughs> Don't worry like, about Wait the a rest. minute, we saw Spider-Man come back. No, no, didn't. <laughs> no, that was different. On the bright side, we've solved climate change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, kids. If you want to go forward from here, you have to watch Venom. Let there be carnage. <laughs> yeah. Then see what you think of that. See if you can stay awake during out there. <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, cool. That is, yeah, there we go. Uh, I will round us out here. I haven't had a whole lot of time to watch movies and what I have watched is mostly bad movies. Um, just with friends. What John? So shocking. I know. So out of character for you, but I did get this hankering to watch inherent vice. If it's a quiet night out at the beach and your ex old lady suddenly out of nowhere shows up with a story about her current billionaire land developer boyfriend and his wife and her boyfriend and a plot to kidnap the billionaire and throw him in a loony bin. I need your help, Doc. Maybe you should just look the other way. But if you're Doc, it may all start to get a little peculiar after that. Michael Z. Wolfman. And Mickey Wolfman. Mickey Wolfman. Has vanished. So where would I uh, find him? He's technically Jewish, but wants to be a Nazi. And a girl don't necessarily want to get into difficulties with those folks. Whoa. Are you all right? Am I? Are you? Ordinarily, we're the ones asking the questions. And your question is, which side am I on? Good question. Wrong answer. Hey, it's you! I don't know uh, what, what pushed me to it, but I remember I saw that when it came out in theaters. It came out in 2014. And for folks who don't know what Inherent Vice is, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film that is an adaptation of a Thomas Pynchon novel that is known to be very dense and confusing. Um, and it's one it of those things. It has Paul Giamatti in it, doesn't it? It does not have Paul Giamatti in it. No, yeah. no it doesn't? Okay. No. Joaquin Phoenix is the lead. Yeah, is Joaquin Phoenix is the lead there. And it has okay. Josh Brolin. And it's just got like a star-studded cast. Like... It's it's pretty amazing, um, but that's kind of what you expect from a Paul Thomas Anderson film. I remember when the trailer for this came out, it it was like just a collection of words that I don't even really know how to parse. It's like, what if <laughs> I told you that this guy was trying to find out about this man and his old lady and his old lady has a man and there's another thing in it and it just like fucking goes. Um, and the movie is is the same. And the trailer really leads you to believe that you could follow it. But this is like an ultra noir <laughs> just set in like 1970, right after the Manson family murders. And it's like hippies everywhere. And um, Joaquin Phoenix plays Doc uh, Sportinello, I think is his name. Um, and or Sportello. And it just is like he's a detective who gets high all the fucking time. And his his ex-girlfriend comes to him in the middle of the night, like at the very beginning of the movie, and basically says, my the guy that I'm dating is a real estate mogul and his wife and her boyfriend are plotting to have him committed to an asylum. And I want you to try to stop this uh, plot. 
and that's like as simple as I can make that. But the movie itself has, it just feels like it was adapted directly from the novel. It's just so densely written in the way that the characters talk and deliver their lines. Like it's more so than it's not like it's not rapid fire dialogue like uh, Aaron Sorkin, but you can think of it like, like double indemnities sort of narration. Mm. And when I saw it in theaters, I left and I didn't know what the fuck happened for the entire movie. And I was just like, like subconsciously was like, I liked it, but I don't know if any of it checks out or any of it like matters or what the fuck it was. Like, Mm -hmm. is this a big Lebowski situation where it didn't matter and the mystery wasn't the point, but like the characters themselves are so hard to track and like so many fucking proper nouns flying around. So I decided I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch this again. I own it on Blu-ray and I still haven't watched it when it's on Blu-ray. Um, and and I, you diagrammed the whole thing. And I basically, yeah, like, so <laughs> Sasha watched it with me. She was like, I was like, you want to watch a movie with me? I'm just going to try to watch Inherent Vice. And she was like, okay. I remember not knowing what the fuck happened in that movie. And we, when we were watching it, she was audibly like, pause the movie right now. <laughs> and then she was like, so did this happen when this person came in and this other person had something? I'm like, what the fuck is Doc talking about? And we did And then that. you're like, no, see, this is what I drew. Here's yeah, all yeah, the that's basically, I was like, here's my Charlie Day board with my red string and all the faces. And it, it was just like, I've never had a movie experience where I was so happy to pause the movie and be like, I understand what's happening. <laughs> like, I'm able to talk to somebody about this. Um, yes, I but, will mansplain this movie to you. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'm getting an opportunity. Um, but yeah, like it, it was one of those where I just, I remember seeing it with friends and they didn't know what the fuck happened. We didn't go and talk about it after. And even if we did, we wouldn't have made heads or tails with it. But the second watching, it was like, I didn't have to focus as much on it. It has that noir quality where you're like, okay, I know who everybody is and I know how the story is going to go. And now I can just soak it up. And it's so fucking funny and has so many great moments. And like when Hong Chow shows up in it, it's fucking great. She shows up as like part of a, a woman's massage parlor. She's telling Joaquin Phoenix about the pussy eater club special, <laughs> <laughs> like all. The, and then immediately she just starts eating pussy for, like in front of him. And like that just fucking doesn't go anywhere. And it's like uh. fucking weird, wild shit happening everywhere. And it feels insane. And it's like, Watching a noir where the detective took one case and then has to take like eight other cases in the middle of that case. And it just fucking goes from there and then neatly wraps up so much of it by the end. But if you're a first time watcher, you're not going to know what the fuck happened. So it's like, I don't even know if on a first go round, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have recommended it. Honestly, it's like, it's so complicated and I'm just like, not sure how people would feel. But if you're down to watch a noir and watch it multiple times, it's really fucking good and it's really fun. Um, so I don't know. That was my, my takeaway the second time was like, I would recommend it, but only if somebody's willing to watch it twice, like watch it once. It's probably not going to, although I do have my own pitch for it. Uh, Dixon, have you seen inherent vice? Or you- yes. Kind of yeah. same scenario. I saw it in theaters and was confused as fuck and have not gone back to it. Yeah. So like I have this idea and I know, uh, it's, it's not for everybody, but it is to just get baked and get all of, get a <laughs> screenshot of every actor in the movie and the red string and cardboard Oh, that's and do great. a watch yeah. party where everybody who's baked has to try to follow along and put the faces and string where they think it should go. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. But, uh, yeah, it's just like second viewing. Great. Cause you can start to put more of it together. And I, 
it still feels like you're doing a lot of mental work, but just, it was fun. It's a different film experience for me. Uh, Other ones like Double Indemnity, after I've seen it the first time, like I know where it's going and it doesn't feel hard to follow. Mm -hmm. This one still like fights you all of the way. And I, there's something endearing about it for me that I really like. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I would love to go back and, and rewatch it. I, I really like Paul Thomas Anderson and I saw that one once and I haven't gone back to it. And like now that I've seen a lot more noir, I feel like I would appreciate it more. Like not only 40s, 50s noir, but neo noir. Like I've seen The Long Goodbye now, which is like that type of a noir where it's like nothing really matters. Like the, the PI lead is kind of a shithead who just, you know, is, is kind of trying to figure his own stuff out and also solve this thing, but it doesn't really matter. And it's, you know, noir is often more about style than anything else. And Paul Thomas Anderson can definitely craft an interesting style in his movies. So I definitely want to go back and watch it again. I, I feel like I would appreciate it a lot more now um, where, you know, like a lot of, a lot of noirs, the plot is kind of the point, but sometimes it's it's not, right? Like, you know, with The Long Goodbye, it's like, it doesn't really matter. You're just kind of there soaking up that atmosphere and watching Elliot Gould be cool, and that's kind of what it is, you know? And, like, uh, I, I imagine it's a similar experience with Inherent Vice, but it sounds like you felt like you gained more from the plot this time, and it wasn't just I'm appreciating the style, but you did engage with the story on a deeper level this time. Yeah, like the first time through, I felt like a lot of what happened just it was it felt like sound and fury. It was just kind of like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and it it felt so disruptive that by the time I got to the end of the mystery, like I think that the mystery that gets solved, there's like two tracks of mysteries, and one of them gets solved before the other one, and it feels like the energy of the movie shifts a bit at least the first time you're watching it because you're like so fixated on where's this like real estate mogul and that wraps up like earlier than expected and then it goes right into this other thing and you're like okay um but the second time through when i knew that was going to happen and i could anticipate it and i could follow the characters more and i knew what the relationships were it just like everything clicked a lot more and i was picking up the pieces and doing it doesn't really hold hands too well with you, like to help you know who's doing what crime and when and characters like appear in a scene and then they're dead off screen in another scene. And has that kind of like, I guess like no country for old men kind of had that like cut from mm. out under you kind of feeling. And so it just has that. And this time around, yeah, deeper appreciation for it, deeper appreciation for like the relationships within it because they all feel so quirky and weird and uh, like so crafted by a particular author, not like organic. And I think going into it, I just had to expect it this time around. Like noirs are crafted. Uh, a lot of them are like very heavily written. And this is one of those, but done in this like six or seventies haze of weed and everything. And it just adds <laughs> to how fucking weird it can be and feel like the disorienting feeling. But yeah. Yeah. Thomas Pynchon is weird. And it's a lot <laughs> to take in. Yeah. Inherent Vice is 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 the approachable, I guess, uh, of his works, and it is still quite a bit. So he he's in that postmodern novel writing, which mm-hmm. is just kind of a weird metatextual thing. And I would say that, like with Inherent Vice, kind of just like playing with noir and detective stuff, and like using that, um, and almost somewhat like. Uh, I don't know. It was, it's kind of metatextual to like what it is. Like you come in, if you come in knowing detective and noir, it does, 
I do feel like it works better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is one of those things where it's like things happen because it's more about writing and those kind of stories. So yeah, I like talk about like characters or things that happen away from it. It's more an exploration of like, that's like life, not yeah. like writing. Yeah. Right. And that's what's kind of the interesting thing to look at. It, it makes it confusing. <laughs> yeah. But also that's like life. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, I do feel like, yeah, as I approach more of the stuff, it gets better, but like gravity's rainbow is his big novel. Mm-hmm. And it's like a mess it is pretty <laughs> fucking dense and weird. It's not to Finnegan's wake like nonsense, but like his stuff is quite out there. Yeah. And I just remember when this movie came out, people saying like, Oh, Paul Thomas Anderson is like attempting the impossible. This is like one of those things that's going to be like really fucking hard to adapt properly and to get like everything right. And I feel like he nailed it. Like, but it's one of those things where like, because he nailed it, the film reception probably suffered is my guess. I don't know. Cause I don't, I, I don't really hear about it when people talk about Paul Thomas Anderson films. Um, like inherent vice isn't at like top of lists for people I've talked to. They tend to like uh, other works, like there will be blood and uh phantom thread or yeah, boogie nights. Um, and, and like inherent vice kind of gets like off to the side. Uh, but it, it nails it so well. And I'm so appreciative that Paul Thomas Anderson went to the effort to like make it the way that he did without like, it has overwhelming exposition, but none of that exposition feels like it really holds your hand and does anything effective to tell you uh, a story other than like, it tells you a very flowing and flowery version of what's happening. And you're like, okay, this is, it's like poetry while you're watching something (laughs) while you're watching a noir. Um, and it, it's just nice. I don't know if Thomas Pynchon writes that way. I'm really interested to read his works, but I haven't touched any of his books. So I think you're right. Like Paul Thomas Anderson, Boogie Nights is like, I mean, it was a big hit yeah. and it was very approachable from a lot of different angles. There will be blood. Blood is like just a technical achievement. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's where he really upped his game. Like he had the opportunities that earlier movies had let him get to. And then there will be blood was the sort of like, okay, not only can he bring people into the theaters and make some pretty good stuff, he can make some fucking transcendental, mm-hmm. like award winning, amazing stuff that he can get out of it, of, of his actors as well. Um, and yeah, I think in her, in her advice was kind of his like swing, mm-hmm. right. Of like, all right, now I can do what I want and yeah. his, his take at it. And honestly, now he's just doing what he wants, but I feel like he's kind of brought the scale down quite a bit. Yeah, he's he seems to have focused more on like technical approach now. Like with Phantom Thread, he did the full cinematography for that movie. And like I don't know if he tried to do that for Inherent Vice or if it was more he just wanted to focus on as as like bursting at the seams of a story as possible, like however many characters fit into it and see if he could make it cohesive. And I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson always just is like looking for some shit to get into. He's like, Magnolia is kind of like myself? that, right? yeah. where there's just so yeah. many characters in it and there's so much stuff going on that like it's it, some of it works really well and other parts of it like kind of don't land mm-hmm. super well. But yeah. And yeah, yeah he, good, he has these smaller scope example. movies like Punch Drunk Love that's like fucking great, mm-hmm. you know, and like uh, Phantom Thread is just about, you know, three people basically. Um and yeah, he has such an interesting career. Like I love the master and I think I've seen all of his movies except hard eight. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen hard eight either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> Magnolia is another one that is people are kind of up and down on. <laughs> I love the idea of yeah, Tom Cruise as a motivational speaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
We've seen how great he is at that. Being a Scientologist, when you drive past an accident, it's not like anyone else. As you drive past, you know you have to do something about it because you know you're the only one that can really help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that um, he's always just looking for a new challenge, something to do, and I admire that about him. But I also am reminded that he is he's in that Tarantino esque like uh, that he's in that Tarantino auteur class of director where I've heard like different stories about people working with him. I can't remember who's a celebrity that had a late night out with Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson, but she said that it it completely turned her off from ever doing cocaine again because <laughs> they just did cocaine and talked about movies for like uh, hours. <laughs> and it's one of those things where I'm like, intense. I I love both of those directors and I think that they bring really fun things to cinema. But yeah, I don't know if I would want to be in a room with either of them. I don't know if I'm ready for whatever the conversations are that they can, they can uh. just churn through. Um, but yeah, anyways, and Heron Vice would recommend. So uh, with cool. that, I think we bring this to a close. Uh, I have been your host, John Garcia. We have a roundtable of recommends. Um, Ryan's a little iffy, though. Ryan, he's making a face right now, but he, he did rambled. say recommend. Well, he didn't even really yeah, talk yeah. about a movie. You yeah. Know? He decided to give a rant about Marvel. You know, um, he did an unprecedented thing, which was he tried to cram movies into the television category by saying it was yeah. a series of things <laughs> <laughs> that he could recommend. Honestly, Marvel movies feel like a TV show. It um, is, yeah. Uh, uh, so we have... A recommendation from Dixon for the pre-code Babyface. Babyface. Starring Barbara Stanwyck and uh, semi John Wayne John makes an Wayne. appearance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just right. a random fuckboy, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have a recommendation for the Marvel movies of the Infinity War saga, um, but nothing after that. Uh, which is yeah you can honestly just yeah slide you're after that. you're so you're such a fucking weird maverick renegade about these rules ryan and <laughs> <laughs> he even sticks to that he's like yeah. well you know thor the dark world is not great and garden of the galaxy volume 3 is pretty good and it's what know, happens like, when you have a family people you don't have time uh, to go watch other movies you have yeah, to make yeah. something out of it. so you just watch <laughs> 10 marvel movies instead that's right <laughs> not one of them was look i'm finally not watching the crappy kid movies on netflix it's a huge step up to watch thor the dark world oh, <laughs> he says that now folks but mark my words in december he's going on a jennifer garner marathon <laughs> he's gonna report back <laughs> i see him thinking about it oh god uh yeah and then you have a recommendation for me for paul thomas anderson's inherent vice which i feel gets a gets a bad rap or no rap at all considering i haven't heard much about it from other folks i feel like critics um, look back on it fondly but the broader discourse doesn't really talk about it much yeah yeah so uh yeah anyways with that yeah i've been your host john garcia uh joining me as always brian king i want my bird it's the iron man 2 thing man. that was oh, yeah for all those the iron one, man 2 fans out there he's serving just up wanted the that <laughs> Fair enough. it's a good bird we went all the way to russia for you we got this bird it's a great bird <laughs> Uh, no one knows what you're talking about, right? It's, yeah, he no, wants, he wants us to Nobody clip it into the episode. Me. We might do it. Who knows? <laughs> if we don't, then, you know, it's too much work. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, and also joining me. Michael Dixon. Thanks for putting up with our bullshit. And Ryan's bullshit. You <laughs> <laughs> can leave that in.
Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.